We talk about the defensive transformation, and yes, there has been a defensive transformation and how more help is still on the way. We break that down and more on this episode of the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are locked on Ole Miss, your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So please subscribe there. We'd appreciate it. Also, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Hi, I'm Stephen Willis, and this is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. Um, pardon our progress a little bit. We're learning a new editing system, and if there might be some glitches, we apologize for that, but we're trying to make your experience better as much as possible. We're also doing new stuff with the SEC After Dark channel. Tune in, subscribe to that as well. The defense is in a much better position than it was three weeks ago. Dead serious. You have a defensive unit that I think nine of the 11 players are transfers and people that transferred in, like Cedric Johnson. I think Mike Huseman talked about that the other day, about how many transfers were already in on this defense, and now they've added more. Now, we looked at the Phil Steele projected starters to where they had Ladarius Tennyson and Aishim Young as the back end of the defense at free safety and strong safety, and that doesn't necessarily make sense with me. That doesn't jive with me. And the reason is Ole Miss is recruiting cornerbacks all over the field, Deshaun Gaddy, um, Justin Hodges, John Saunders, all over the field. They recruited them. And I think that is because one of those players, probably John Saunders, is going to play free safety this year because they want a tall, long, rangy player that has the athletic ability to go from sideline to sideline. It just kind of honestly is what it is. So, when you look at those players on the back end and they've added cornerback after cornerback, I think Deshaun Anthony got added. Uh, there's just players that have been added, Jaden Kennedy, all on the back end of the defense that can help out this team moving forward. And you still have the DeAndre Prince. You still have Zamari Walton. You still have a nice nucleus for the cornerback position. But if you look at actual players that played cornerback last year, Ole Miss now has – a three deep at the F FBS level. So I think it is time that people need to stop worrying about the back end of the defense. The fact that they didn't recruit linebackers means that you probably shouldn't worry about linebackers either. We're going to talk about in the next segment, um, the appearance of Suntarian Perkins, and we have a breakdown from Brian Smith talking about Suntarian as well. But whenever you have Ashanti Seastrunk, um, Kamari, Kari Coleman, Monty Montgomery, and Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste, there's a chance for a solid two or three deep at the linebacker position. Now, I'm just letting you know because everybody was so doom and gloom about this unit a month ago. Like it was just something that they did and some, even before the roster completely got put together. We'll know the middle of August about what level of concern we should have for you this unit. But I don't know if there's a concern that Ole Miss should have right now. I think this, this team is about where they need to be. So 
we will see what it happens defensively. Now, if you look at the part of the defense, even though they recruited so many cornerbacks, where the most strides were made, I look at the defensive line. Take in J.J. Pegues, who was going to be the starter, who was going to be the leader of that unit, the head boss hog of that room was going to be J.J. Pegues. You had Josh Harris in December. He came over from NC State. The end, you had Cedric Johnson and Jared Ivey coming back, and those were serviceable SEC players a year ago. But depth was a little bit of a concern. You know, um, the backup, Xavier Harris, backup at nose guard, that is fine. But you had basically five players that you could, you were worried about that unit because none of those players could have been asked to play 70 to 80 plays. And the fact that they shorten college football games, it doesn't necessarily matter. Um, they just weren't going to be able to do it. So you needed depth. And it was that's the reason it was such a big deal when Jamon Gordon came back to school. And Ole Miss had it. It's like, okay, J.J. Pekis has a backup. We're, we're good to go there. But then we're like, okay, where? what else happened in the early transfer portal? What else happened um, on signing day? The kid from Moss Point is coming in. Um, I think his name, I could get it wrong. I'm just going off the top of my head of Jamarius Brown. Um, he, he was a stud in the Mississippi-Alabama game. He's probably going to get some chances for PT fairly early on. But then Ole Miss got Stephon Wynn, who is a typical two-gapper nose guard who's going to compete with Xavier Harris, um, who's going to play a little three technique. And Kello Stone, going to compete at three technique. He's a lighter defensive tackle. And then this is where it got interesting. Isaac Uku, who is being penciled in. We did the Phil Still lineups. He's penciled in at Jack to start out. He's the number two returning pass rusher in the SEC, even though he wasn't in the SEC last year. But behind somebody, um, I think Princely, Human Yulin or whatever his name is, um, is the number one. The number two is Isaac Uku. Number six is Jared Ivey as far as pass rushers in the Southeastern Conference. Two out of the top ten were all Miss defensive linemen. So what you are noticing is this offensive line could be fine. This defensive line, I mean to say, could be fine. We got players and pieces in place where they could be a strength. And you can see them recruiting on the defensive line and the defensive backfield and not at linebackers lets you know where they feel about the linebacker position right now. This defense has completely remade itself in over the last three weeks and made itself more useful. Now, we're not going to know until fall practice um, hits and adjustments and things. There's always situations go wrong. But talent-wise, they're good enough to get it done. They're good enough to be a serviceable defense. Now, we're not talking about Alabama 2018 or whatever, 2011. We're talking Ole Miss 2022 or Ole Miss 2021, I should say. Ole Miss 2021. Jake Springer and those guys. That's what we're talking about defensively. So we will see. And, and like I said, help is on the way. It is absolutely on the way. And looking at how Ole Miss can, I don't know, improve is the word I'm looking for, I guess. Moving forward, it, it is all starting on that 
that defensive line position because the SEC, above all else, is going to be a defensive line, offensive line, games won in the trenches league. That's that's just the way it is. Anyway, this show is brought to you by FanDuel because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet of up to $2,500. So make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs. That is $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. It is a super safe and secure app, and that's important, although we know that Mississippi is a brick-and-mortar casino sports gambling state. So if you want to gamble on sports, you have to go to a casino. But if you go to Memphis, Tennessee, Jackson, Tennessee, Nashville, you can use the FanDuel app. If you go to New Orleans, which I believe Ole Miss has a road game in New Orleans this year, if you go to Baton Rouge, Monroe, Shreveport, Delta, Louisiana, the FanDuel app is available for use by you. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet of up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Every day or tomorrow, we are going to continue our preseason stuff. We're going to find recruiting news, you know, things like Austin Simmons popping or any during this official visit slash camp season that breaks. We're going to be here to talk about that. And also, we're going to be able to talk about general storylines that are facing Ole Miss moving forward. For instance, in the next segment, we're going to talk like Ole Miss fans need to stop worrying about the schedule. They need to start talking, stop talking about how hard it, hard it is because honestly, it's not that hard. It's a regular Ole Miss SEC West schedule, same strength of schedule as every year, plus Georgia. That's the schedule, but we'll talk about that in the next segment. Right now, there's help on the way for Ole Miss defense, even on top of what the transfer portal hall was for the Portal King this season. Santarian Perkins, that's right, the linebacker recruit out of Raleigh, Mississippi. He is going to play, and he's going to play a lot. A lot of people have compared him to Harold Perkins, who burst on the scene last season with LSU. This is somebody that has massive position burst versatility. He can see some work at Jack. They can play him at will. They could use a sideline to sideline, an extremely physical player, that has a chance to do exactly what we hope an Ole Miss linebacker will do. Now, you look at the linebackers in them place, the Kari Coleman's, the Ashanti Seastrumps, the Monty Montgomery's, the Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste. All of those guys are D1-level linebackers. So Ole Miss already has a two-deep. So you're going to add to that room. But I think Centarian Perkins, that depth in that room, it is going to allow Ole Miss football to move it around if that makes sense at all. And that's that's kind of important for Ole Miss football because their linebackers are going to be a major, major, major thing for Ole Miss football moving forward because their defensive line, they're decent shape. They've, they've patched the, any hole that they might have. Defensive back, they've got so many options to mix and match. They need a linebacker to come in and, for lack of a better word, take over that room. They need an alpha to come in and be the dude. 
They need what would have happened in 2019. Now, we always talk about the Mississippi made class in 2019 and how people like to make fun of it. But the fact of the matter is their strategy worked. That team got us to a sugar bowl in 2021. Jerry and Ely, Snoop Connor, those guys made an impressive impact on Ole Miss football. And if you would have added somebody like N'Kobe Dean to that room, if you would have added Byron Young, if, it would not have taken much. But two, one or two defensive players, that 2021 team, we're now all of a sudden not looking at a playoff. We're looking – I mean, we're not looking at a bowl game. We're looking at the playoff. That's how close Ole Miss has come recently in the last couple of years. So don't let anybody tell you what exactly Ole Miss used to be. Ole Miss is an average team. Ole Miss is a poor team. It's not an excuse anymore. Ole Miss pays its coach close to $9 million. The expectations change with that, period. We're going to talk about this next segment. But first, before we get into that, Brian Smith on his podcast broke down Suntarian Perkins, what he did. There's a film breakdown. He talks about him as a player. I think it's pretty interesting, but here it is. One of the most exciting players in the class of 2024 is committed to the Ole Miss Rebels. Sunterine Perkins is a linebacker, a running back, and just flat out an all-around athlete at a Raleigh, Mississippi high school. This is a young man that can play a lot of different positions for the Rebels, and I'm going to break down a little bit of his film. But first, a couple of things. Number one, you're not going to find too many guys that hit like this young man. When he hits somebody, there's a lot of oohs and ahs. Power through the hips the ability to get in position to make the plays, and quite frankly, no fear of contact. The speed, laterally, sideline to sideline, is something that you also see with him on defense. And in the end of the day, it really doesn't matter which side of the ball he's on. He can play running back, and that's why I listed it on scrolling across the bottom of the screen here. His ability to get upfield and hit the hole as a running back is also very impressive. So let's take a look at a little film. All right. The most important thing to note about him is he's just a football player. Does not matter what spot he's playing at any given time. He is a dude. Look at the well-shaped frame that he has from top to bottom. He looks like somebody that's 20 years old. Perkins is also a young man that they lined up quite a few different spots for Raleigh, and I can't really say I blame him. Keeping him disguised on defense also allows them not to have him avoided by the opposition. Coming from depth here, look at the thump. He has extreme power in his hips, and he is not afraid to deliver a blow. Coming from depth once again, that's just a difference maker right there, my friends. Now back at running back, watch this poor kid just get splattered. H-back this time. He pancakes another kid. There just simply aren't too many players more physical than this young man, and Perkins could probably play about a half dozen different positions at the SEC level too, which is kind of crazy. Linebacker, strong safety, edge rusher. He could definitely play running back. One of the more entertaining films I watched this year, and I still don't really know where I would want to play him specifically if I was Ole Miss, of course, with somebody this talented, you just get him on campus and you figure it out. For a big kid, he can really run. 
even returns punts. This I didn't expect when I first watched the film, but I'm not going to lie. He's got pretty good vision for a big kid that's physical. Most guys like that just don't do well as running backs or punt return guys, but Perkins just a natural player. Look at that cut. Good power run. Keeps the legs churning. That's the spot right there that I'm most curious about. Could he be an edge rusher if he goes to Ole Miss and really concentrates on it? It's something to think about. Then right here, he just out jumps the guy and shows his athleticism. And here's one more play I'm going to show. Look at the outside burst for such a big kid. That's impressive. All right. Perkins is obviously a special football player, and Ole Miss needs more of these kinds of guys to get over the hump. And that's why I think he'll end up playing defense. Lane Kiffin, his play calling, it's pretty obvious that he knows how to scheme it up, and he gets plenty of offensive talent anyway. But Perkins is the kind of guy they don't normally get on defense. Put him at middle backer. Maybe he's a pass rusher. Maybe he moves around. I'm not really sure. Ole Miss will figure that part out for themselves. But Perkins is absolutely one of my favorite players in the class of 24. The film doesn't lie. Everybody, please like this podcast, share it, hit that notification bell. And of all things that you could do, please comment. I mean, this kid deserves a little bit of credit. Anything you want to say about Perkins, about Ole Miss, or some other prospect, perhaps, please let me know, drop a comment, and I will get back with you. Thank you very much, and have a great day. All right, that is Brian Smith. The Florida football scout talking about Sontarian Perkins. Good, good player. I'm pretty excited about what can happen with Sontarian moving forward. Again, apologize for our um, progress right now. We are changing editing systems and streaming systems and all of that to try and make it a little bit more efficient, improve the quality, and do whatever we can for you. But in the next segment, we're going to tell you exactly why you shouldn't worry about the schedule. The schedule is the schedule. The schedule is always hard. And making a pre-excuse for whatever because the schedule is hard just kind of rings hollow with a $9 million a year head coach. Anyway, stick around. Thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Do us a favor and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell for notifications, comment, and upvote as well. We'd appreciate it very much. Also, join our subtext community. It is in the description, the link for it. You can do that. If nothing else, view it as a tip for all this wonderful content that I provide. So we appreciate that very much. Anyway, this past weekend, I decided to do something that was uh, I shouldn't have done, but I did. And that was go play on a message board. And I'm not going to name any names or what's going on. But one of the threads on the message board was the essentially the gist of it was that Ole Miss fans need to be wary because of people that are saying the schedule is not brutal. And the word brutal was used, okay? And that people are doing that are just setting it up for I told you so's when Ole Miss fails. Okay. A, that post was setting up an excuse for when Ole Miss fell. So either way, you're talking about Ole Miss failing in that situation. But that I digress. That, that's crazy. Ole Miss's schedule in 2023 
is brutal because of Georgia. That's the reason the schedule is brutal. And if you take out the Georgia game, because no nobody, no reasonable fan is going to hold losing to Georgia in Athens against Lane Kiffin, against this Ole Miss football program. Heck, it's the reason that I'm kind of floating. I'm like, you know, my rule is, okay, that Lane Kiffin's making $9 million a year. The baseline, the floor of this team should be nine wins. I mean, or else what are you paying for? If he's paying $8 million, you know, but since George is on the schedule, I'm willing to be okay with eight wins. Ole Miss goes eight and four, I'm fine with it. Now, I do think that Ole Miss has the ability to win 10 games this season. I think they have the ability to win six games this season too. And that doesn't change what is a success and what is a failure. This is just showing the spectrum of where this team could finish. If you're trying to be a realist, you have to top-end it and low-end it as well. Now, if you look at our schedule in 2023, everybody talks about that Tulane game being a major thing. And yes, that game is absolutely going to be Tulane Super Bowl. It's going to be 100 degrees down there. It's going to be outdoors. It's going to make Ole Miss fans not want to go to New Orleans again. I mean, that's just going to happen. But what's the name? Ty J Spears is not on that team. The player that averaged 12 yards per carry and rushed for over 200 yards against USC is not walking through that door. This is a team that 24 months ago almost put 60 points on. Now, they've changed. They're a good football team. They're well coached. But Ole Miss is going to be favored by a touchdown or more in that game. Can Ole Miss lose that game? Yes. Ole Miss has lost to Memphis. Ole Miss has lost to Jacksonville State. Any team can lose any football game. But if you're looking at probabilities, that probably isn't going to happen. The reality is on the Ole Miss schedule that Ole Miss is going to be probably favored in eight games on their schedule in 2023. That doesn't scream brutal to me. The Georgia game, that's going to be an L. Whenever I do W's and L's in in, in July, that's going to be an L. They're going for a three-peat national championship. But honestly, if we're going to be honest, in the regular season, Ole Miss is the second hardest game on Georgia's schedule. Absolutely nuts, but it is the case. And the Alabama game, you get them in September. Bryce Young is not on that team. Will Anderson is not on that team. Now, I understand there's four and five stars, and they've recruited really well, but you're dealing with a young team playing in September in 2023. Now, Alabama's probably going to be favored by 10 points in that game, but that is not a game that – is not winnable for Ole Miss. It's not like a Georgia-type situation. It is a game where Ole Miss absolutely has the talent to overwhelm that Alabama team offensively. LSU, the lines came out this week. This is the third hardest game on Ole Miss's schedule, and LSU came out as like a three- or four-point favorite in Vaught-Hemingway. Like I said, all of this is not saying brutal schedule to me. You know what a brutal schedule would be? If Georgia was on the schedule like this year, 
But instead of Georgia Tech, Ole Miss played USC for an eight-game schedule plus USC. Yeah, that would be a brutal schedule. But your non-cons right now are actually, in my opinion, lower, lesser than it was in 2022. And I challenge anybody to look at this year's schedule and find me a five-game segment like the end of last season. And even then, I, I, I say that last season it was sabotage. But whenever you go to College Station or to LSU, to College Station, you play Alabama with Bryce Young and Will Anderson after an off week. The next week you go to Fayetteville where you never win. I think the last time we won there was 2008. And then on five days rest, you play Mississippi State. Find that. That was a brutal end of the schedule. That was the worst November Ole Miss has ever had schedule-wise. Nobody talks about that. Going into the schedule this time last year, you remember how everybody was talking about Kentucky? And do you remember how Kentucky was ranked seventh in the country? That turned out not to be the case because of injuries and whatever else happened. So it's crazy to either make excuses now and lay the groundwork or set Ole Miss up for failure with the schedule. When you're setting up talking points later, either way, it's just it's just a fool hardy Aaron. It, it just is. And if you look at difficult schedules, if you look at things that stand out, now I'm not saying Ole Miss's schedule isn't hard. Ole Miss's schedule is always hard. Ole Miss has the number one FPI to strength of schedule this year, but that is because every team in the SEC and Big Ten make up the top 10. Last year, Ole Miss was like fifth. The year before, they were like seventh. It always happens. And the thing that makes them different is the SEC West is always difficult. The SEC West is always going to be accounted for. Normal does not make it brutal. It can't be brutal if it's the same thing that happens every year. The difference in this schedule is Georgia. Without Georgia, this year's schedule is actually less than last year's schedule. But that Georgia game doesn't matter because it's not going to be held against Lane Kiffin to begin with. So pay attention, understand what's going on with the schedule. Understand how fans are. Because media and fans alike, the ones that are uber optimist or uber pessimist, the way they look is the last data point, they stretch that to infinity. I talk about this all the time. My everydayers can attest to it. Ole Miss lost to Mississippi State last year. So Ole Miss is going to lose to them every year in the future. I mean, that that's the way they work. And it's whenever you say it like that, it sounds silly. But Tulane was good last year. So Tulane is going to be good this year, even though they lost their generational running back and their quarterback completed 40% of his passes against USC against a defense that was not good. There's context. It's not just about winning. We're all happy that Tulane won that game. But honestly, Georgia Tech is probably the more difficult non-conference game that Ole Miss will play this year, even though Tulane is on the road. Remember, Southern Miss beat that team that beat USC on their home field last year. Southern Miss went to a bowl game. They did what they had to do. They played super back. They essentially played, what is it, Tech Mobile, um, their offensive unit, but they beat Tulane. They beat that team. So 
the 85 bears are not coming through that door whenever we go to do New Orleans. It's not going to happen. So understand there's three difficult games, right? And I will call them difficult, even though LSU technically is a 50-50 and the line says it's a 50-50. But you have two games that Vegas says is guaranteed losses for Ole Miss. Seriously, they just... When you look at the line that they put out ahead of time, you got Georgia that's favored by like 17 and you got Bama that's favored by, I don't know, 12 or 13. I forget the number. And then the other line that came out was LSU and LSU was favored over Miss by four points. I think Ole Miss was favored over LSU last year by four points. So that's, that's a 50-50 game. Auburn, it's going to be their Super Bowl. If you want a game where going on the road, it's going to be a cauldron. I've talked to people at Auburn. That game is going to be their Super Bowl. That game is going to be mega important to them. It just is. So, anyway. Thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Make your second listen, Locked On SEC. And for our everydayers, tune in tomorrow as we might switch the offense. But any news of the day that breaks, we will be all over it with our normal crazy opinionated style. Anyway, see you tomorrow.